testimony time. So we have some amazing testimonies, mission testimonies this morning. Um, and we're going to end off with some fire tunnels, more Holy Spirit. So if you're like, Adam, I have no idea what a fire tunnel is, don't worry. We will explain it when we get there. But it is really, really powerful and really, really good. Okay? So Jonathan Puddle. Yes, I'm going to bring you up. He was in, um, where are you, Italy? South Africa. Oh, South Africa. <laughs> Has anybody been to South Africa before? We've got a few hands. All right, so I'm excited to hear your testimony, man. Thank you. Uh, so um, there's this woman born and raised in Soweto, outside Johannesburg, experienced some of the most horrific things that a human being can experience. Um, extreme poverty, neglect, the things that happen as a result of that, sexual violence. And growing up, she met the Lord and miraculously was able to pivot in her heart from a place of rage and bitterness from the horrific things done to her to a position of rescue and redemption. And she began reaching out to kids and providing a safe home for them so that they would not experience what she experienced. Fast forward 20, 30, 40 years, and she has got 35 people living in her home it's not an orphanage, it's her home. Uh, she runs a daycare so that uh, when, when children are left alone, they're at least not on the street during the day. The work, there's no work for so many people. They'll, they'll travel uh, for two or three weeks at a time and then come home. And so their five, six, seven-year-old children will be left alone to fend entirely for themselves for three, four weeks. You know, I met kids who, seven-year-olds, who cook dinner over a fire for their four-year-old sibling, uh, take care of themselves completely, entirely. And so she's just pulling kids out of the garbage and putting them in her home. And she has no government support, uh, no major NGOs. She's just a local woman saving children. And through a series of circumstances that only the Lord can orchestrate, my father met her about 10 years ago, and he's been going down there every year to bring money, because they have no major support, and to bring encouragement, because it's hard work. She's now got her own adult children who participate in the work, and uh, there's a handful of other private, like just single individuals who've met her over the years and have been supporting her. And so this year, Dad said to me, Jonathan, their young adults need a bunch of mentoring. Would you come and join me this year? So that was in November, December when I went down. And, uh, and we hung out and we encouraged them. and We brought toys and we brought gifts. We threw a massive Christmas party for them. Uh, Gifts wrapped and selected for 35 people. You know, we took the older guys to the movies. And to, to, to have these guys be like, I don't remember the last time I had popcorn. You know, and, and, and a city like Johannesburg is crazy because you have extreme wealth and opulence right next door to extreme poverty. 
and Maria and her family, when they have, they have. You know, you could, you could walk in and you could look at first glance and they're wearing nice clothes and they have Wi-Fi and they have phones. But when there's, but when there's no money for electricity, then, then all the food rots. And when there's no money for gas, then they cook over a fire outside. And when you see a few photos, you realize, oh, those nice clothes are the only clothes. Uh, and yet the joy of the Lord that they possess. I mean, I spent half of my time just sitting there learning and asking, do I even have anything to give? <laughs> but we were an encouragement to them. And all of that was made possible by you guys. Uh, Maria, her and I, she recorded an interview, which you guys can hear if you, if you want to hear the full length of her story, the, the horrors and the glory. But she prayed over everybody here, and so we're going to uh, just listen to that because um, she wanted you guys to, to know that the work that she does, you all who gave and prayed and just, you know, thought of us while we were on, uh, became a part of that work. And so you're participating in, in the absolute literal saving of lives and the ongoing transformation, the, the turning of stories of destruction into stories of hope. You can go ahead, Davy. God is great. Would you pray for us, Maria? Yes, please. I will pray. And as I am praying, my prayer is for God to take care of all people that have hands to support my home. God, I pray to you that you give support to each and every hand that give unto this home, to each and every family member that's contributing to build our home to be what it is today. I know, my God, that you are the one and only person who know my history in fully, who understand everything that I went through, who knows each and every person who has been contributing towards us. You know their history, you know their backgrounds. Not everyone has been smoothly born. Not everyone has been smoothly grown up. Everybody have got their, every, their differences. Some sacrificed. They are giving out of their willing hearts. They are giving from little that they get. They work hard to get the little that they are giving us. My prayer, God, to them is multiply from their pockets where they've taken from. Multiply in their lives. Secure their families, secure their children, secure their mothers and fathers, their parents, and secure their friends and neighbors, and each and every person that is in their lives. Secure more or over Stephen and his whole family and his partner and whoever is attached unto him, his business that he is running, I sprinkle the blood of Jesus in each and every company of each and every somebody who give, who did whatever they've done, the donations that I got, the clothes that they bought for the children, they must know one thing, God, that they are part of my work. 
I'm not only the one that is doing this work that you sent me to do. You touched their hearts. It was not in their plan, but you took it in, into their life so that they need to be part of this. I pray, God, that as Stephen and Jonathan are going back home, God, secure them, protect them, God, be with their companies, whatever work that they are touching with their hand, let everything turn into gold, multiply in whatever. You know their needs, my God. I don't know their needs. You know their needs. Meet their needs behind God. Make sure that each and everything that they want is being fulfilled according to their needs. I pray, God, and I know that each and every prayer that comes to you, God, you answer and you answer accordingly. What we can do as a family from Maria's house, God, is to pray for those whom you are using to help us whenever we are in need. I thank you in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 So thank you, guys. Uh, if you want to hear that full story, you can find it on my website. But uh, yeah, I'm planning to go back later this year and hopefully bring some more. So God bless. Come on, man. So good. Jenny, I'm going to bring Jenny up. Jenny was in Uganda. Now, I just want to, if you have a, a heart for South Africa, you're like, Adam, I'd really like to go there. I just encourage you to talk to Jonathan, and you know he can pray for you maybe before you go today. Because, uh, again, just getting together in prayer and just praying into a mission that you have a heart for is really powerful, okay? Amen. Awesome. So I was in Uganda in October. Um, I could go on and on about stories of like just the crazy experiences and the people that I met in Uganda, but what I really want to do this morning is talk about what lessons I learned that can apply to your everyday life. And there's one big lesson that God taught me about Uganda, and this is that God qualifies the unqualified. Because according to human standards, I am the last person on earth that should be here right now that should be ministering across the world, and yet God is using me. Why? Because God qualifies the unqualified. Many of you know my story. Many of you were there that day three and a half years ago when I walked into this church, drunk off of six bottles of wine, ready to kill myself, and God met me, and he said he loved me, and he qualified me. 1 Peter 2.9, yes, amen. 1 Peter 2.9 says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. My friends, God is qualifying you today. Are there areas that God has asked you to go into where you feel like, I don't really want to? I don't have enough knowledge for that. I don't have the skill set. Maybe you haven't read the whole Bible. That's okay. Because it is God who qualifies you. And I learned that. And in Uganda, I just experienced the presence of God. Because there's many times where I was called to preach and I had nothing to say. I walked up with absolutely nothing. But the same Holy Spirit that lives in Jesus lives in us. And he's our teacher. He is our guide. He imparts his knowledge on us, and he definitely did on me, and it was incredible. So the other lesson that I learned in Uganda was God's goodness is not dependent on our circumstances. 
God's character is not defined by what you're going through. Because I met people in Uganda that had nothing. I worshiped in the dirt. I went to churches and preached that didn't have walls. I went and I met with the people who had no food and hadn't eaten for days. And they worshiped God. And they declared his goodness. And they declared his faithfulness. And they declared his love. And they prayed for me. I had a woman, I'm wearing the sweater right now, a woman who came up to me and took the dirty sweater off of her back and she gave it to me and she said, don't forget about me. She wasn't thinking, well, I don't have another sweater to give. Well, how's God going to bring me a sweater? She thought the goodness of God is not dependent on my finances. It's not dependent on um, how secure I am. It's not dependent on what I'm experiencing right now. I believe God is good and faithful no matter what. And this is a big lesson, friends, in our life because so many times we go through things and we think, where is God? We're struggling with our finances and we're thinking, God, have you forgotten about me? We're struggling with our health and we think, God, do you even love me? There's so many moments in our life where we can feel these things, and it's okay to feel those things, but then you need to get back on the place, on your knees, and say, God, you are not defined by what I'm going through. You are here for me while I'm going through this. There was another person in the fire with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It was you, and you are with me in this fire right now, and you are going to carry me out to victory. Amen? Amen. That's all. Come on. So good. Now I have the pleasure of having my daughter share about her trip to Cuba. She's really nervous, and this is her first time speaking, so you've got this girl. How about I interview you? Because we do that at home all the time, right? Where'd you go? Cuba. Are you sure you went to Cuba? Yes. How long did you go to Cuba for? Two weeks. Two weeks. Did I go with you? No. I was sad. How did you get to Cuba, Ozzy? I did a bake sale here at church. Yeah. Um, I also raked lawns of leaves. I shoveled driveways, washed cars, did lemonade stands, and walked dogs. So in other words, she does more work than I do. How impressive is that? Very good. What was your biggest highlight? What was your most, like, you know, what was your best experience that you had? Going to the orphanage and seeing Opie preaching and doing funny stuff. Yeah, your Opie's pretty funny, isn't he? Opie, you can wave so everybody knows that you're, you're who she's talking about. Are you going to go back, Az? I hope so. Yeah. Amen. So you guys can keep her in your prayers. Thanks, Azzy. Thank you. Yes, thank you guys for supporting her, for praying for her. Good job, Az. You're all done. You can go back to kids. <laughs> Come on up, Dad. Wow. You know, you're just getting a taste. <laughs> Jenny, I love you. Just come up here and preach, man. That's awesome. <laughs> and Jonathan, too. He's not here anyways. He's got a good heart for children, and it's just awesome to see what God's doing. You know, I don't know if you got a taste of it, but it's so awesome to see that we're not just about local. We are about local church, but we're also about global. And we want to reach the nations. You know why? Because, uh, I mean, 1 John 3.14 says it all. It says this. How do you know? How do you know you're actually a follower of Jesus? Why do I go? Why do we go and spend our time or money or energy and do these things, right? And so, bottom line, 
1 John 3.14 says this. It says, we know that we have passed from death to life because of what? Anybody? Why? Why? How do we know we've passed from death to life? It is because love. Love is what it is. You love your brother. You love your brother and sister, not just here, but in the nations. And that's why we go. So I just want to share with you quickly, um, with Cuba, that, you know, Jesus is a revolutionary because he goes after that one. He leaves the 99. And who are the most vulnerable, most exploited, most weak in our society? Children. And Jesus' heart is for the children. And so when we go and we visit an orphanage, I think that's what does me in every time I go. I just, when I see these children who their own parents have forsaken, and I see them in this place, and they, you should see their faces. Um, I'd love to show you just even a picture of what their faces look like. And you know what? If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the light. We're called to go into the darkness. We're not called to be afraid of the darkness. We're called to go into that darkness because we are a light. We're like that on the hill, that light that shines. And you know when you go and you touch these children's lives, there's, it's amazing. I mean, I can't even, words don't even explain what happens to you when you go and you show up. And you may say to yourself, I don't think I can do that. But you know what? Here's the thing. Jesus says you can because he says, I am with you. You see, Jesus is about transformation. If transformation isn't happening in your life, then I'm really questioning where your relationship is with Jesus. It should affect your family. It should affect the way you interact with people in your life. And it even means that if you don't even have the finances to go, Trust me, I can tell you story after story. I will give you story after story. You just talk to me later, and I will tell you story, many stories of how God came through. I've been doing this since 2005. Did I have the money to go? No. Was I qualified? Not. But that's what Jesus does. Two things. Be open and be hungry. Be hungry to see a move of God in your heart. Be hungry to see a move of God in this church. Be hungry to see a move of God in the nations because we want to push back the darkness because the enemy knows the clock is ticking. Countdown time. It's clicking. And he knows. And you just got to read the word of God. And it tells you the days of Noah, the days of Lot, the days of the Son of Man. Just do the parallels. Do the study. And you're going to begin to see similarities that are happening even in our culture today. And that's why when Jenny brought up, you know, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and I love to preach to you, you can see that, right? <laughs> so, but they didn't bow to the culture. They didn't bow, right? Let's not bow to the culture. This is the time to stand. This is the time to be courageous. Let's bring the light to the darkness. And so Cuba is coming up on the, on the radar. April. We're looking at April. We're going for two weeks again. We're going to be hitting. We're going to go to some orphanages. We're going to go to some places. I don't even know if I should share your story, but just to give you an indication, is we, I mean, today there's so much disposable income. And because of that, I, I say there's people that go for the wrong reasons. And even to tell you one story in Cuba, 
of, of where this father, so extreme poverty, would sell his daughter for sex for $10. And, and these are the people we've got to reach because there are people that are going for the wrong reasons. You're either a predator or you're a protector. When you've got the light, you're a protector. We bring it because we go for a whole different reason and we go to share that God is concerned, that God loves them. So think about that. Think about it, whether it's Uganda, whether it's Cuba, whether it's wherever it is, Romania, Moldova. There's other places, man. I could tell you places I've been to. And you know what? When you come and you bring encouragement, there's something that hits, that takes place in their life. They know that Jesus is alive, that you would actually take time out of your busy schedule, out of your life to go. And it changes you. It will change you. Now, just quickly, we've got two paintings here that a pastor did in Cuba. If you're a pastor in Cuba, you can't have your own house. You have to live in the church. So, and you can't have a job outside of the church. So they have extreme poverty as well, and they have to deal with that. And there's a pastor there with his wife with two children, and he did these paintings. And I told him, you know what, I'm going to take these paintings, I'll frame them, I'll bring them back to the church, and anybody here? Yeah, $10 a month is what he makes. So we want to sell these paintings. This is a donation. If you give a donation, that's going to go straight to this pastor. I mean, he's pretty good, and his name is Redale. I mean, that's a pretty good painting. All right, I don't know how long it take him, took him to do this, but there's two paintings here. You know, that's one way to step out of the boat. Let me encourage you, start sewing into this. You say to yourself, oh, man, I don't see that any of my effort could make a difference. That's a lie of the devil. We all know Heidi, right? Stop for the one, right? It's just one drop in the bucket, right? So it's a lie of the devil. And if you sow into this, if you sow money into each one of these things, that money goes straight to them. And, and there's another painting I didn't bring for you that he gave to us, and it was just showing a sun in the background, and there was this huge storm. And he said, that's what you guys are to us. Because you didn't forget about our situation. You didn't forget about us. And I thought, and I have that painting I should show you someday. And it just like really touched my heart. There's a verse in Job that talks about that, about coming. And that's what we do. We're called. We are the lifeguards. We're the ones that rescue. We've got the opportunity. We've got the ability. We do have the resources because we have a king. We have a king. And all we need to do is ask. It says, if you ask anything according to my will, 1 John 5, 17, if you ask, do you think God will say no? Then you don't know my God. Then you don't know my father because he's a great father and he'll do it. So talk to any one of us and uh, find out more about it. But um, things are happening. God is moving in the nations. Huge, huge. And you can be a part of that. And you can come back and then, wow, man, you're going you're gonna to see yourself get on fire even more than you are right now. Amen? Mm. So good. Yeah, Cuba was a really transforming trip for me. For me, uh, I've always had a heart for the nations, and it's like, if I could pick what I want to be doing, I'd want to be going to all different nations and just loving on the poor and just just eating all different types of food, experiencing culture, experiencing Jesus in all of these cultures. And so I had grown up, we had gone all over North America as a kid and, and growing up, and then as soon as I get married, 
my mom and dad start going to the nations. <laughs> and so I watched them go to the nations and go to the nations and I didn't go with them. And it was kind of that part of me that's like, oh, I'm really sad. And so people would come and they'd share their mission trip stories and all of that. And there was just this part of me that's like, oh, I want to go so bad. And so I remember seeing Azzy getting excited to go. So the first time my parents brought her and they paid for her trip to go to Cuba and she just came back like with this heart for the nations. And when I was pregnant with her, they're like, your daughter's going to be a daughter that goes to the nations. And already she's saving up money to go again. And so she did all of that to go a second time. She was like, I'm going to raise the money. I'm going. And so there was just this point with her second trip where I was like, maybe I should go too, you know. And I started to believe for it. And I started to pray into it. And I really felt like God said, go, you know. But I'm like, but I don't have the money and stuff like that. And, and the thing was, for a long season, you know, God told us to come plant this church here. And Adam and I had been doing missions with Catch the Fire Toronto on staff there with the School of Ministry. And then it was 10 years of just being so in where I'm planted. And there was that part of me that's like, I just want to go to the nations, but right now I'm going to be faithful where I am. And so I had three more babies <laughs> Um, so we have four kids and God said to me, you know, I was having that struggle with God, like, God, I want to go. I want to go. And I remember God saying the greatest thing that you'll ever do is pour into these kids and show them how to run after me. So I just was like, okay, I'm going to be faithful where I am. And just, I'm going to, I'm just going to keep pouring in and pouring in and pouring in. But definitely there were those moments where they come and share about another trip and I'm like, <laughs> I want to go so bad. I want to go so bad. And so fast forward, I am like, okay, I'm going. And then it's like, okay, I have to like ask for money. And I'm like, there's a part of me, I'm, I'm such like, I've got to earn it, right? I've got to earn that money. I can't ask people for money. That's like, feels like I don't want to do that to people and their money could go to other people's missions trips. And I was really struggling because I'm good at asking for other people, but for myself, not so much. And so I was like debating on and off, on and off. And my friends are like, go for it, Amy, go for it. I'm like, I know, I know. And, you know, it's just like that, okay, I can do this, I can do this. I'm like, I should do a bake sale. I'm too tired to do a bake sale. <laughs> I could bake for like two days and then bring it to church and then I'd feel like I'd earned it somehow, right? And finally, I just kind of prayed about it and I was just like, God, just like, just ask. <laughs> So I did a little Facebook fundraiser, and God provided all the money, and I was so humbled. I was so humbled that you guys would sow into my trip. And it was, it was an awakening for me because I had been on missions in the past, but it had been 10 years, you know, and there's one thing about knowing it, and there's another thing about experiencing it. It changes you. And it, it was just so amazing, again, to see my parents who had been there seven to eight times previously and built this relationship and to be a part of that. And I remember going to the airport, and they had, like, so many extra bags. And we all have, all of us had this, like, metal carts, and we're pushing it through the airport with, like, bags up to here. And I'm like, oh, why are they bringing so much stuff to Cuba? Couldn't they just bring a little bit, like, these, or give them some money, they can go buy it. But I didn't know, like, they don't have shopping malls there, it's bad, and stuff. And, it's, and so I'm, like, so frustrated. And, and then the plane's like, we've downsized our planes, and you can't have these extra bags. And my dad's like, I'm going to wait it out till boarding time, and I'm going to see if I can get this stuff on the plane. And we're all like, no, Dad, put it in storage, just come with us. <laughs> 
Anyway, he got everything on the plane, even a bicycle. Yeah. <laughs> yes, he is, his tenacity. And, and then the thing is, you get into these homes and you sit with these people whose entire month's wages cost one t-shirt. And they're weeping, saying, you're our family. This means so much to you. And thank you so much. And I'm like, okay, I get it. Right? Okay, it's the, it's the same thing. You see these things, you, but until you experience it, you don't fully know. And so it's like some cool stories were we went to this one widow's house, and she was a prophetess, and she prophesied over us. And they were in this really broken down kind of shack. And her son plays baseball with kids, and he's like a coach, probably in his 30s, and he's a big guy. And dad's looking down at his shoes and looking at him, and dad takes his shoes off and says, I think these are going to fit you. And I'm like, this guy's huge. There's no way these shoes are going to fit him, and they fit him perfectly. And he's like, I've been praying for shoes. You know, and, and, and there's these three guys begging for money at the top of this hill with a cross, and dad's like, I have three shoes back in her thing. I'm going to meet you later today, and he gave them all shoes, and it was all these things like this guy, we'd go over to his house, and they would just meet locals. They'd go walking and go into people's homes, and just, most pastors, they go on an itinerary, right? And there's this, this flexibility where we go into people's homes, and there's this guy who sells honey, and we just walk, and you look, and his cargo shorts are just holes all over them, and dad's shorts fit him. You know, it was just like all of these miracles. And I just saw my uncle did the same itinerary as us. He went to Cuba and he just got back a few days ago. And he said they bought, brought a bag full of shoes and it fit every kid to a T. And we're just like, come on, that's God. It's so good. Huh. I remember we were at a church service and my dad's like, this is my daughter. She's a prophet. She's going to prophesy over you. And I'm like, Oh gosh, oh gosh, okay, I'm on the spot here. Yes, I love to prophesy, I, you know, okay, okay, and I'm like kind of freaking out inside, and people start coming up to me and looking at me, and I'm like, okay, but God comes through, just like Jenny says, he qualifies you in the moment when you're like, I don't know what to say, I don't know if I have anything, but he comes through, and so I was just praying over these people, and, and I got to pray, um, stop and pray for this deaf pas uh, pastor of a deaf church. And as we're leaving, I was walking out the door and God's like, go prophesy over her now. So I'm like, okay. And I just started prophesying over her and she's weeping. And she's like, you don't even know. You don't even know what you're saying. This is so much confirmation. Then I'm like, they're like, we got to go. I'm like, okay, uh, that's awesome. Bye. You know, and, and there was those instances where we were just going, 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 but God moved. And I remember we prayed for three people and this woman came and she was like, I have ulcers in my stomach. It's hard to swallow. I'm in so much pain. And she was crying. And we prayed for these three people to be healed. And we don't know if anything happened. And then the next week we're at another church and our translator's like, I just got a call. All those people were healed. You know, we didn't see it. We didn't see it right in front of us, but it happened. And sometimes it's like when you leave, God does this stuff because all glory belongs to God. You know, we got to love in orphans. We got to do all of this stuff. But the most important thing to me, and it's been echoed by everybody here, is you go to give, but they give back to you. I, I saw such poverty, and yet they're opening their houses and feeding you and feeding you and feeding you. They're killing their pig to make a pig roast for you. And it was just like, it's, it, just, it was this realization that this is my family. This is my family. We have a body all over the world that belongs to us. There's this instant camaraderie because they're family. And 
that was a beautiful thing for me. And we were in some churches where they were out in the open with just a tambourine all singing. And I'm like, oh gosh, I miss my church worship. But you are good. No, but it was just so beautiful. You know, and I went to so many people and I told them about you guys and how you had sewed in. And, and I was just like, I love my church family. I love my church family. And there were so many people. I'm like, I wish that we could all go together and experience Cuba together. You know, it, it was just so life-changing. But I want to say that you guys were a part of that. And I want you guys to get a heart for the nations and get a heart. Whether it is sewing in or whether it's going. And whether you have no money but you want to go, I would say step out in faith and believe. And dream for that. Because it's so important to just see God moving all over the earth. Because his heart is for the nations.